Living Woman used to work at New Day, and she was like, not her like fingerprint on us, but like her heart print. And so she is always a part of us, even though she lives in Reading and works for Wendy now. So Sarah, will you come and introduce?
come under their message, which is just one of hope, if you've never heard them before. They really teach on hope and uh, renewing of the mind, uh, which, you know, we hear about ungodly beliefs, and I had grown up, and I was like, this is like an ungodly beliefs teaching on steroids. I just had never heard anything like this. It's like really life-changing. And um, anyway, since then, just have been able to really um, travel with Wendy, work with her, help her with her scheduling, and and all that stuff, but what has has happened is just who she is as a spiritual mother is that she, uh, you absorb like that uh, spiritual ability to receive revelation from the Lord to, she's one of those people who's just really free in who she is. She's free to be herself. And so when you're around her, you become free to be yourself. And I think that you're going to receive that this weekend, the ability to be free to be you. And that's one of the things that's so powerful is really being comfortable in your own skin, loving yourself well, giving yourself permission to be you. Uh, she really does that well. She's full of freedom. She is a mother of freedom, and you're going to experience freedom this weekend. She's free in who she is. She's free to explore who God is, uh, to know things about him that are outside of what maybe anyone else has said, because she's willing to hear you know, she just has so much freedom. And you're going to be able to to uh, break off any bonds that have been on you. You're going to receive something new. And um, I just want to welcome Wendy Backlund. Yay! issues, you know, and, and the biggest thing is, is just learning that we're not uniquely different. I can remember thinking, you know, if, if I just had a better heart, I would be able to really serve God, you know. You know that scripture that says, um, if you love him, you'll keep your commandments. Do you know how I read that? You don't love him one day, because you don't keep all the commandments. You're not good. And uh, one of the things, you know, we love hope because we spent probably the first 15 years of our life hopeless and didn't know it. We had hope in, you know, life everlasting after you die. But we didn't realize that he meant actually have a hope-filled life. Until somebody said, every area of your life that doesn't glisten with hope means you're believing a lie. Wow. Amen. And that area is a stronghold of the enemy in your life. Amen. Wow. And we're like, every area? <laughs> Does that include finances? <laughs> my health? My personality? Because I remember once, you know, just crying out to God, and he said, Wendy, do you know why you're hopeless about yourself? 
And I'm like, yeah, look at me. I'm a mess. <laughs> and I said, no, you're hopeless about yourself because your faith is in you. Whoa. 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 I was like, oh, but I don't, I don't know how to do it any other way except for try to change. And so I kept trying harder and getting more and more tired. In fact, there came a point where I was almost ready to stop even being a Christian because I couldn't perform, couldn't change. Because my husband and I, we spent probably the first 15 years of our life grounded and rooted in Romans 12.1. You know, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service to God. And so we did a lot of sacrificing and, you know, just becoming that living sacrifice. And we still do that, still believe that. But what happened was one day we were reading Romans 12, 2, and it says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I thought, oh, Sacrifice doesn't create transformation. You don't become changed because you've sacrificed your life to him. It's believing something different that actually transforms you. Yes. And I was like, well, but God, you know, because God started telling me who I was in his eyes. And I'm like, no, that's not me. You know, I would get prophetic words from um People that would say, you know, you're going to be a teacher. And I'm like, no, that involves public speaking. <laughs> and I don't do that. And so I tried to tell God, no, that's not who I am. I'm, I'm not who the word says I am because I'm, I'm shy, I'm timid, I'm, I'm inadequate at everything I do. And he said, Wendy, that's not who you are. That's who you've become. And there's a really big difference between who you are and what you've become today. But it hasn't nullified who you really are. My goal in life is to let everybody know who they really are. But as long as you use your past experience to define yourself, you will never change. Your experience can define you or the word of God can define you. So what we discovered, moving into Romans 12, 2, was that it was actually easier to sacrifice our time and our money and our dreams than it was to sacrifice our beliefs. Because we had experiential proof to back up our beliefs. God, I'm shy. I have all this experiential proof in my life to, to prove it. And he said, well, you can either use your experience or the word. You can never actually do what you don't believe you are. That's why, at least not consistently. You know, that was one of the things when my husband and I first started pastoring is I was reading the, the, you know, the Great Commission, you know, go into all the world and make disciples. And God said, you're not very good at making disciples, Wendy. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to argue. You know, but he was just showing how we could get people saved, but it was like they couldn't stay saved. And he said, the problem is, is you're trying to get people to act like Jesus instead of believe like Jesus. You're trying to outwardly mold them into what they should look like. And he said, when they're acting like Jesus, it's called acting. And you can only act for so long. Pretty soon you are going to be weary and tired because you're, you're not in alignment with a belief system. You're trying to do something you don't think you are, and you're actually opposing yourself. So there's this this whole thing where he's, he's like, okay, so instead of getting them to act like Jesus, if we can get them to believe like Jesus, they will just automatically do what they believe they are. Yeah. And that's how we actually created our brain. I remember reading a study that was done in the 60s where they had this 
school, and I can't remember what grade level they were doing the experiment on, but they had this math class, and they took all of the failing math students, and they hypnotized them. And I'm not promoting hypnotism, obviously. It was a secular study, obviously. So under hypnosis, they didn't teach them math. All they did was hypnotize them and tell them that they were excellent math students. And 100% of them went from the bottom of the class to the top. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's the one who created our mind. Because if we can believe something different, we can do something different. That's good. If, you, if we really believe that every area of our life that doesn't glisten with hope is under a stronghold, then we have to start really beginning to identify the areas that we don't have hope in. And what do I need to believe to have hope for this? What's my lie that is keeping me where I've always been? You know, I share a story of a couple years ago because my husband and I travel a lot. I don't have an office, so when I meet with people, I usually go to the same coffee shop every time just because it's easier. You don't have to think. And, um, but about, I don't know, four or five years into working at Bethel, I decided to switch coffee shops because a new one opened in town by St. Christians. So the very first meeting at my new coffee shop, my conscious mind knows where I'm going. You know, I'm walking out the door thinking, oh, yeah, I get to try out this new coffee shop. That's great. I get in the car. But unfortunately, while I'm driving to the coffee shop, my conscious mind started thinking about something else. And I ended up parked in front of the old coffee shop. I mean, the car was turned off and everything. I'm sitting there thinking, how did I get here? This isn't where I wanted to go. And I did that two and a half times that week. <laughs> it, yeah, well, the half was almost to the old coffee shop. But as I was making a U-turn, I felt like God said, Wendy, unless you change the spirit of your mind, you'll always end up where you've always been. Because it's not your conscious mind that drives you. It can drive you for a while. It's like when you're trying to learn a new habit or you want to do something differently, um, you know, have more character, whatever it is, you can consciously try to attempt to do it, but as soon as you get tired or angry or emotional, guess what takes over? Your subconscious thinking. Because you're not being driven by what you consciously believe. The problem is, is we think that we believe everything the Bible says. I did. I was like, oh yeah, I believe everything. Until God challenged me. He said, Wendy, do you believe that I'm going to meet all your needs? And I'm like, oh yeah. I quoted scripture at him, you know, that's what we do. <laughs> and he just said, then why are you worried? And I'm like, do my emotions have to believe it too? <laughs> right? This was new. I mean, <laughs> I thought as long as I had a mental agreement with the word, I believed it. Yeah. And he said, you don't really believe something until it's affected your emotions. Because your emotions are based on your subconscious beliefs. It'll always reveal what you really believe. And that's not for condemnation, it's just so that we know what our problem is. <laughs> I mean, I still have a lot of really poor beliefs, and I've been working on this for 20 years. But I, I had so far to go. <laughs> but you start recognizing, oh, okay. You know, sometimes that 
we get so used to that spirit of heaviness or that spirit of anxiety or that spirit of fear, we think it's normal. It's not. Whoa, preach it. We don't have to live that way. The problem is, is we keep thinking that God's going to zap us into perfectness. You know, I totally understand that the ten spies who were with Joshua and Caleb and they got to the promised land, you know, it's so amazing because before they spy out the land, God tells them, I've given you the land. It's yours. They go out, spy it out, and the ten spies come back. It's a great land, but there's giants in it. And I get it. It's like, if he's given us the land, why do we have to fight for it? If he's given me healing, why do I have to fight for it? That's good. If he's given me peace, why do I have to fight for it? There's all kinds of land that he's given us in the word of God, but we're waiting to be zapped. If he really wants me to have it, why wouldn't I just be zapped in? And then I was reminded about Ephesians 6 when it talks about take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And it hit me. Oh, it's called a sword because we're supposed to kill something with it. And might I suggest that if you haven't killed anything with the Word of God, you haven't used the Word of God correctly. I mean, I really didn't like to have devotions and read the Word until I, that hit me. Oh, this is what gets me into the promised land. I have to kill the giant that's keeping me from what God said is mine. And we're not going to kill people. You know. There was a season where we thought that was what we were supposed to do, I think. <laughs> right. Right. But we have to kill the lies that are keeping us out. Yes. The belief systems that keep us boxed in to where we've always been. You know, they've actually said the in in the secular world that the average person never moves out of the same social or economic lifestyle that he was born into. And they say it's not because they're not trying to change. It's because they never change what they believe about themselves. Have you ever wondered why two people can have the exact same intelligence or gift, you know, like two artists. They can both be fantastic <coughs> artists and one will become famous and the other won't. What's the difference? We want to think that it's just, oh, he got a lucky break, they had the right connections. <coughs> but that just isn't so. It's what they believe about themselves that determines what happens with their gift. If you've been trying really hard for years and years, that could be your problem. Trying harder without changing what you believe won't get you anywhere. You actually have to believe something different to see something different. Whatever it is in your life that you've been trying harder but not actually changing your belief system, because our belief system is our, is our faith. You know, that's what faith is. It's what you actually believe. Not consciously, but subconsciously. So taking those areas in our life and beginning to declare, okay, this is what the Word says. I am more than enough. I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through him. What do we really believe? You know, you'll, you'll also know what you really believe by what you're preparing for. 
We would all say, oh, I believe the word of God that give and it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken, you know, running over. And I, I would guess that probably most of you are givers. But are you preparing for abundance or lack? Because whatever you're preparing for is what you have faith for. It's amazing how we can actually begin to train our mind to believe something different than we currently believe. I mean, some people are afraid to believe something different because they're like, well, what if I'm wrong? What if I start believing for abundance and I'm not supposed to have abundance? Well, you've been believing wrong for decades and it never bothered you. <laughs> why all of a sudden we're so afraid of believing something wrong? You've been believing you're stupid and inadequate and nobody could love you and it didn't bother you that you're wrong. <laughs> There's just this fear of believing in good happening to us. You know, I used to believe, or, or thought I believed that God was good. Right. But at the same time, I was thinking, you know, when I first got married, I thought, you know, God's probably going to kill my husband to see how I'll react. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every time he was late coming home from work, there was this thought of, oh no, he's probably dead. How am I going to react? I'm going to be a good Christian. And, I'm going to be strong, and, you know, you just plan out. Until one day God said, you know, Wendy, you're not that important that I would kill Steve for. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's not Wendy World. Who knew? We have this warped concept of God's goodness. The problem is, is that, you know that scripture in Romans that says that, that all things turn for good for those who were um, called according to his purpose? Yeah. And the thing is, is that God is so good at turning everything bad into good that we think he sent the bad. <laughs> no, he's just a master at turning it into your good. That's why people thought God sent sickness was because he was actually even able to make good out of that. He's just really good. He is. And you know when Moses was crying out to God saying, God, show me your glory. Show me your glory. And so he hides him in the rock and he passes him by and the weird thing is is that how did he show his glory? He declared his goodness. Yeah. Yes, he did. And I remember reading that and thinking, oh, we've been crying out for your glory, but we can't see your glory until we're willing to embrace how good he is. The level of glory we see will be based on the level of our faith in his goodness. I mean, this whole revival, you know, I, I've been involved with Bill Johnson since 1991. And so I, I you guys know who Bill Johnson is, I'm sorry. He's my pastor now. <laughs> Pastor's Bethel. But one of his major things that he would preach was the goodness of God. Along with the, the miracles and signs and wonders are for today. <coughs> But it was amazing how the church opposed the concept of God being good. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that can't be. But I've seen the more the church has accepted the goodness, the more of God's glory has been revealed. I went through, it was probably at least a year where every single day my question was, well, how good are you? 
That's, that's something we all should be asking. Yeah. How good are you? I remember one day just soaking in prayer, just waiting on him, and I, I asked that, that question, and it just, I mean, I can't even tell you what happened to me. It was like this presence that just, I just began to weep and cry, and I was like, oh God, let this be my message. Let me just be able to reveal your goodness to people. And can you believe for it? Because we tend to not only get our identity from our past experience, we tend to get his identity from our past experience. Yeah. Amen. So. Come on. Come on. Yeah, so true. Whoa. We were, in the 80s, you know, we were taught a lot about darkness. And, you know, it was almost like a badge of spirituality to say, oh, yes, I've been under such attack. Yeah. And there was even a phrase that if you're not under attack, you're not a threat to the enemy. And so my husband and I, we would say things like, you know, every time we take move forward in God, we get attacked by the enemy. And finally God said, why do you say that? And we're like, oh, because every time we move forward in you, we get attacked by the enemy. And he said, you know, that may be true for you, but it's not true. Whoa. Whoa. Then why do you talk more about the attack of the enemy than my protection? Because whatever you talk about the most, you'll have the most faith for. And we were raised under the power of darkness because, you know, under the guise of teaching us spiritual warfare. All it did was make us think that the enemy is really powerful. Right. I mean, I used to, you remember the scripture where the seven sons of Sceva decide to cast out demons out of the one man? And they go into his house and they say, in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches, you know, we cast out whatever is there. And this one man beats up seven guides strips them naked and chases them out of their house. And I used to think, demon-possessed people are so powerful. <laughs> and then one day God said, Wendy, if, if one man possessed by demons could do that, what can one man possessed by God do? Amen. You know, Jesus doesn't live in you because he needs a home. <laughs> I thought that's what it was all about. He actually lives in you because he wants, he lives in you for the same reason demons try to live in you. They want to manifest. Demons want to manifest the glory of their God. And Jesus wants to manifest the glory of our God. Amen. And we have to stop worrying that we're going to, you know, like somehow steal God's glory by letting God live through us. Have you ever heard that term? Well, you don't want to steal God's glory. So make sure nobody in church becomes great. Just everybody keep small. <laughs> and then we wondered why no kings were coming to our rising. And then one day God said, Wendy, you could be as glorious as you want. And I'm like, what? That, that sounds sacrilegious. And he said, yeah, don't worry. You'll never come close. <laughs> about stealing God's glory are the ones who don't know how glorious he is. <laughs> it's true. When you start creating universes, we'll talk. <laughs> I have a theory. 
that um, you know, because scripture says that we're supposed to heal the sick, raise the dead, yeah. cause the blind eyes to see. My theory is, is that the Trinity is up in, you know, they're in heaven and they're like, oh, you know, our children, you know, they're, they're learning to walk in the spirit. We need to give them some jobs around the house. <laughs> Shall we give them something, you know, to do? And I can hear Jesus say, well, why don't we tell them to take out the garbage? <laughs> what if in his economy... Casting out cancer is like taking out the garbage in our economy. Right. Woo! Come on. Amen. Mm-hmm. Ooh, right. that's, yeah. that's great. You know, if you worked for somebody and they said one of your jobs is to take the garbage out every morning, you wouldn't go into their office every morning and say, please take out the garbage. <laughs> I told you to take out the garbage. I don't want to steal your glory. <laughs> <laughs> It's a little too powerful to take out the garbage. (laughs) If he told us to raise the dead and heal the sick, it must not be that big of a deal in heaven. (laughs) That doesn't mean we don't give him praise for it. I'm just saying that we've magnified stuff that we were, you know, when we get born again, we have these abilities, but we, you know, we think that we are human beings trying to act spiritual. And that's why it sounds so hard to do. But if you've been born again, you're born of the Spirit. And we have to actually accept and define ourselves as a new creation. And be okay with the process. You know, when a baby is born, it doesn't just automatically walk. And we don't start wondering, I don't know if that's really human yet. (laughs) It's not walking or talking. We just know that there's this process. That's good. And when we get born again of the Spirit, we have that same process. That we have to learn to walk in the Spirit in how to actually live out of our new identity. Yes. But if we're so convinced that we're really just the same old person trying to act different... We won't really be able to do different. So, I'm here before you to tell you all my trying harder got me nowhere. (laughs) But believing something different did. And I'm not going to say it was easy. You know, in 2 Corinthians 10, when it says that we're supposed to um, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, one of the things I realized is the reason it says take the thoughts captive is because they don't surrender. Our old belief systems want to stay. But I got really radical. I mean... I got this concept, and it was like, I'm going to see if this works, because what I was doing wasn't working. What do you have to lose? And I went after it. I mean, I had declarations from the Word of God about my health, who I was, had them by my bedside every single morning. I would say them, and then I heard that um, music actually helps... um, remove the gatekeeper of your mind. Laughter and music help us to actually get a new thought in. Because your brain actually tries to protect the way it already believes. All right. You know, 2 Corinthians 10, it, it says, take, taking every stronghold 
tearing it down. And a stronghold actually in, in, in the natural means it's a place that's already been taken and it's defending its right to stay. So how that works is your brain will always be looking for proof of what it already believes. So if you believe nobody likes you, then every single day your brain is looking for proof that nobody likes you. And you won't notice the people who do. Because your brain's not looking for proof that people like you. It will only highlight what defends its stronghold. So you can believe you're a failure. You can believe you're stupid. And every day your brain will look for proof that you're stupid or you're a failure. So we actually have to realize that a stronghold has been created. What is it and what do I now want to believe? Who are you really? The weird thing is, is when I, because I, I didn't realize this, but for most of my life, every time I went to bed, I would rehearse all the proof that I was inadequate. Come on. Oh, come I should have done that. I shouldn't have said that. Oh. And then one day God interrupted me and he said, Wendy, why are you building altars to your failures? Is that what I'm doing? He said, yeah, and it's unscriptural. Mm. It felt spiritual. Mm -hmm. You know, I just wanted God to know I knew how bad I was. <laughs> so we get into this listing of, you know, I know, I know, I know that. And he said, from now on, I want you to create a new stronghold. He said, every night before you go to bed, I want you to list three proofs that you're more than enough. I had to train my brain to see something different. The amazing thing is, is that they were there. The there was just as much proof that I was more than enough as there was proof that I wasn't. But I had to choose what I was looking for. And the amazing thing is, is that what we believe is actually creating our life. I believed I was invisible. No one noticed me. Well, partly because I didn't want to be noticed, but... <laughs> but it's amazing how when I would start changing what I was believing, everything else started shifting. When my husband and I started talking more about protection than attack, we started seeing more protection, literally. And when attack would come, we would just say, we're the protected ones having an attacked experience. That's right. We're the healed having a sick experience, but not for long. Because I'm coming into agreement and into faith with something. We, we keep thinking, God, give me faith, give me faith. Well, he's given everybody a measure of faith, right? Mm -hmm. Did you know that he's also given everybody a measure of muscle? You don't go, I want to be strong. Make me strong, God. Make me lift 300 pounds. <laughs> no, you take the measure of muscle you've been given and you train it to lift 300 pounds. You have a measure of faith. And you train it to lift. That's good. And it's by creating inner unity with the belief. Because the more you believe it, the greater weight and authority it has in your life. When we... Yeah, I need to start ending, so I better not go off on any more of that. <laughs> So this is where the hope is, is you actually can, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, you can change your future by determining to believe something different today. 
Some of the things will take longer because it depends on how strong your stronghold is. But you have to be intentional. It's, you know, I've sat in, in church for years and years, read my Bible years and years, but I had to be intentional about saying, I am going to actually begin to believe this with everything within me. You'll know you believe something when it doesn't affect your emotions when there's resistance. That's good. Mm. And you begin to just say every single day, this is what I'm going to believe. Get radical. My husband does a lot of declarations every day. I tend to focus on one area of my life that I want to see shift. And I, I, I just do a whole bunch of declarations all around one subject. In the old days, oops, it's my alarm. In the old days, you know, there was that the whole um, faith movement, and there was a lot about declaring. Yes. The problem is, is that most people thought it was about declaring things to happen. And, and, and I'm not against that. Sometimes God gives us faith for that. But I think most of our declaration isn't about getting things, it's about becoming things, something. Good. Because even if you got something, you wouldn't be able to hold on to it unless you changed what you believe about yourself. So probably 90, 95% of my declarations aren't about getting something. It's about coming into agreement with God's word about who I am and what I'm capable of and how loved I am. Like even with finances, God said, you know, Wendy, you're only able to receive what you think you're worth. And since your worth has been based on your performance, that's why you were never able to get out of just barely enough life. Because you never felt worthy enough. If you want to actually begin to prosper, there's a lot of people who were created to be givers. I really believe that that's a gift, just as much as healing, pastoring. But they haven't been able to get the flow going because they haven't, they've been working on their, their stuff, but they haven't worked on what they believe about themselves. Our finances took off when we actually changed what we believed about us. So I don't know about you, but things like this give me hope. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we can do something? Yes. 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 God's not going to just sovereignly zap me? <laughs> I mean, he does do that occasionally. <laughs> the reason he zaps people... I don't know about you, but I got really frustrated with God one day because have you ever met people who are really powerfully, spiritually, you know, like they have this gift of healing or words of knowledge and, and you ask them about it, you know, how'd you get this way? Oh, I was born this way. <laughs> so I'm talking to God. Why is it that some people, you know, you just zap them into greatness? They get to be level 10 Christians and we're level threes. God sovereignly decided you're a level three. And so I'm like talking to him about it. And he said, you know, I did sovereignly choose a few people and zap them. And I'm like, I, I thought that's it. <laughs> And he said, but not for the reason you suppose. He said, I had to sovereignly zap some people so the rest of you would know what's available. Wow. <laughs> when you see a powerful man or woman of God, it's not a statement about you, it's an invitation to you. Yes. That's what children should be looking like. So can I just pray over us? Yes. Oh, Jesus. Yes. 
We thank you for your goodness, Lord. God, I thank you that this weekend we get to experience and encounter your goodness, your freedom. Father, that, that every lie that has been keeping us bound is going to be broken tonight. That there is going to be such freedom and hope from this weekend that our, our families won't even know us. But you're going to reveal truth and reveal the lies that we've subconsciously believed for years and years. I thank you that our transformation comes from actually just believing what you said. That we are who you created us to be. And we just ask for your, your revelation not just during the meetings, but as we sleep during the day. Just cause our eyes and ears to be open like never before. That things would just be dropped into our hearts. That we just create hope in areas that have been so hopeless that we've given up on. brick walls are coming down. And we're no longer going to be in agreement with them. But we're going to agree with what you say, God. No matter what our experience, your word is the truth. And we just give you permission to speak to our hearts. Create new mindsets. Yeah. Yeah. We submit our minds to the Spirit. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. taller than Wendy, so I feel like I should get to stand up here too. I should. We should get one of these at church too, so when I am see on Sunday mornings, I can stand up. Okay, so at this time, we're actually going to, tra- I'm actually going to stay up here, because it's kind of fun. We're going to transition into um, a large group activity. Um, another member of our lead team, Kathy Spaulding, is going to be in charge of this. Please remember that if you do need to use the bathroom, go ahead and slip out and come back in. Otherwise, we would love for you to all just stay put and participate. It's just like 15 minutes or so.